right, everybody. Welcome back to the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome in to week three. And we are on episode five here. And I have a full panel tonight. Finally, we have everyone back in the in the uh in the in the chat here in the uh in the space. I got uh, Mr. Chris K, of course, at Realist Kiss K, K on Twitter. He is back from his bye week, sir. Did you enjoy your time at uh in, in some beach weather? How was that? I did it, it was great. Uh I feel totally recharged from that writing up all that content for week one, which was nuts. But um, I I feel like I didn't miss the best of games. The Georgia one against Oregon could have been fun, but I had that on the beach and then within 10 minutes knew what was going to happen. And then was able to watch the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. So I, I got enough action where I didn't uh, feel like I was missing out FOMO, you know. There you go. And, of course, we have Mr. We Are Penn State at Ethan Sowers. At Ethan Sowers, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing real good. I uh, realized today that we are about 25% of the way done after this week of our main slate college football action on DraftKings. Oh, man. Crazy stuff. That makes me sad, kind (laughs) of. Especially (laughs) with the slate we're going to talk about. Man, uh, it's it's this industry slate, so it'll be pretty cool as well. You're also the most bearded man here. I think Moxie's shortly behind you, but I did have an accident, so you can see the chin strap is back uh i pulled it out of my 20s i promise you know the beard will grow back before the season's end and it'll be in full swing uh of course we have our special guest i call him the king of g5 he's also a, a betting guru and a price picks fan himself at uh chris moxie 19 chris mox my man welcome to the show that was a really nice introduction you're welcome. usually i get usually i don't even get one on the shows that i'm on so i i appreciate that y'all uh, no, I'm, I'm really hyped to be here. I mean, I, I listen to y'all. I take your advice. I, I think that the college fantasy, uh, betting game and space is expanding in a way that's really exciting. So I'm happy to, uh, hopefully contribute a little bit to, to y'all show tonight. Definitely. Um, we're going to have an extra segment here after we go through some of our stuff here where Moxie's going to lay out just some of the basics for some of your betting. We're on that kick. You know, we had Jared on last week. We kind of gave him just the rundown of how DFS is played. So this week, we're going to have Moxie kind of share his just tips and tricks and stuff like that when it comes to betting and lines and how you can kind of make some profit just by just remembering some of these key uh, tidbits of things. So definitely excited to have you on. Let's do a little housekeeping before we get started. Of course, you can find all of our stuff at kpistacanton.com. There's constant articles. There's tools. Uh, I think there's some new tools that are in the works that I'm hearing about as well uh, through our Slack channel. So be looking out for that. We're going to have some new stuff there as well. Of course, the guys are still there. If you're needing to reference in, you know, you need to find out who maybe is wide receiver two in Tulsa. Or, you know, you got something that you need to kind of figure out between who to start and sit. Maybe some of those guys will kind of help you out there as well. Of course, the different memberships and so much more. Speaking of memberships. And we'll have Mr. Moxley talk about this one. We have a brand new one. Of course, it's the uh, $29.99 offer of the in-season edge. Moxley, why don't you tell them, you know, what they're getting, what some of the uh, benefits of having this uh, package here this year. Yeah, this is a cool cool opportunity to basically get all of our upper-tier content for just the season. Um, $29.99 gets you access to all of the betting content, um, which is kind of the, the big attraction, right? I post my lines in the Discord, which you get private access to if you sign up for this as well. Uh, and I do that a lot of times on Sunday as soon as lines drop so we can beat the beat the money for the most part, beat the public, allow us to get you know edges here and there that over the course of the season, let us come on top. It also gives us uh, everything from the scholarship tier, which is our second tier of membership, which gives you access to all of our tools, all of our team data, all of our coach data, 
there's a ton of good nuggets in there. If you're looking to find things like EPA per play or defensive success rate, really advanced metrics that are, uh, you know, harder to come by in the public sphere, though there's stuff that you can find on the website or just how like Debbie production, get some really cool graphs and our mastermind, Jarek has done a great job bringing all those tools together. You also get the opportunity to check out what we're delivering before anybody else gets get a chance to test it. It's a really fun membership because it gives you everything just for the season. And then if you like what we do, you can sign up for long-term and you can become best friends with us. Opportunity is there, but no, this is really cool. And you know, with that price fix promo, promo code, you get $29.99 back. Could go straight to this opportunity. I'm just saying. Exactly. And of course, to tie in with that, you get these wonderful articles by these other two gentlemen here, Mr. Mr. K and Mr. Sowers as well. I know they are dropping weekly. I believe uh, Chris and Ethan will have one either. If you see them today or tomorrow, I know you guys are dropping some good stuff here very shortly. So be on the lookout for that as well. Just like Moxie was saying, hey, we have a sweet promo code. It's at, you know, just C2C, and that's that prize picks. Of course, we do a segment every single week to try to help you guys hit on that type of money, but you do get a match of deposit up to $100, so why not? Why would you not do that? Plus, it's a little kickback. It kind of helps you over there when it comes to our membership that we just talked about, so definitely go check that out. Um, all right, boys, I think it's time to go into campus picks. Of course, that is presented by prize picks, and we'll split it up here. And let's start off with the week. Uh, I got me and Kay up first. Chris, uh, why don't you tell me one of your favorites that you got going on here? Yeah, well, they released a bunch of stuff here a couple hours ago, which was pretty cool. And they're getting even more unique with the, you can do like bet attempts or completions, which is a little, it's very degen, but it's very awesome. Um, but the ones I have here are passing yards and receiving yards. So Sam Hartman over 305. Uh, and Bryce Young over 295 passing and rushing yards, and the AT Perry over 92 and a half receiving yards. I just think, I mean, Sam Hartman came out and was great against Vandy in a bad weather game. I mean, the guy threw for what, like 4,500 yards last year? I mean, 300 is pretty, that's a pretty thin number. That's a pretty low number, all things considered. Uh, and then, of course, A.T. Perry is his number one guy. And it almost kind of feels like there's not really a number two. It's like a one and then a bunch of threes, um, which is always great. He gets a bunch of targets, and he's a big play machine. I think he had something like a maybe 50-plus yard touchdown catch last week against Vandy. So, I mean, he could do it on two or three catches. It's very conceivable. Um, and then finally, Bryce Young. <clears throat> I mean – he ran for a hundred or something like that a couple of weeks in week one, right? Didn't he have a huge rushing game in week one? And then, I mean, he's a passing machine. So this was actually a better number when it was released. I think it was like 280, which that just felt really, really good. But between the passing and I think he's going to run a little bit this year, which he's kind of shown already, that 295 number feels really low. That feels low for just passing, to be honest. Yeah, I'm really digging Hartman being back. I think AT is his boy, so immediately we just see the jump up. We were kind of hoping that Sam was going to be back a little earlier just because I think just the narrative of AT and Sam together as a duo kind of makes sense. So just, uh, you know, the tide rises all ships. Of course, with the Heisman, uh, you know, UNLM, that's a sweet matchup too. So I think that's a pretty good pairing to go along with it. For me, I wanted to hop on the locomotive known as the clone king himself, Mr. Setson Bennett. 
I think it's time that we put a little bit more respect on this name. The guy has had over 20 fantasy points and it has climbed every single week that he's played. And he plays South Carolina. No offense to Mr. Moxley. I know he's gotten rid of his flag behind there, but it's okay. Uh, I still like his fish better. Um, <laughs> but he plays a good matchup. And I think Stetson, uh, especially with the – oh, yeah, yeah, he has his stuff. I just – you know, it's in the smaller box right now, but it's all good. Uh, but – I still think it's a great matchup for him. Uh, he's got a ton of weapons. Uh, he seemed to have the passing game going as good as the rushing game. So I think all together, I think Stetson can probably get over that more as well. And then I wanted to talk about Mr. Marshawn Ford, who I've, I've had the pl- the pleasure or sometimes the uh, frustration of having, you know, over a couple of years in Dynasty as well. And the thing with Marshawn Ford is it takes him a couple of, uh, a couple of games to kind of get the ball rolling. Sometimes uh, Kenningham, that's his go-to. Sometimes he's forgotten about right now. Uh, you know, looking at it as is the, the Hudson show. And then he's kind of being seen as the third target right now as well. So from now, I'm taking the less on 7.5 fantasy points because he hasn't even touched seven fantasy points uh, yet as far as fan tracks, as far as what I've seen. So taking the less on Marshawn Ford. Any thoughts on these two? Or do you think this is a, a good thing as we move on? Yeah, I uh, I like the uh, the Marshawn Ford play. Um, you know, he's, he's got, kind of gotten lost with the uh, Louisville offense sputtering a little bit early. Um, one thing I did notice though last week is it does look like Cunningham's uh, kind of seeking him out on those plays where, you know, things are starting to break down a little bit. I know he mentioned he wants to be a uh, more of a passer this year. And I mean, we've seen that with his, uh, just the, the play style that, that we've seen so far. Um, more runs heavy with uh, Tyon Evans, it seems. So, um, well, we I think I think that Marshawn Ford line is a good line. Um, you know, the one thing I worry about is uh, you know him just catching a touchdown because uh, he is that that big body. But with the way Louisville's offense has been playing, I don't know if there's going to be that many red zone opportunities for them. So we'll see. And then on uh, on Chris's over there, love that Bryce Young pick. Uh, definitely in a get right spot against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, I, I feel for them uh, getting ready to send a, uh, an edible arrangement their way because it, it's not going to be a uh, pretty good game for them for sure. Yeah, they got to take out some of that frustration from that Texas game. That was a little rough. I'm sure uh, Coach Saban's had, had them probably puking their brains out this probably past week in practice for sure. Especially since, wasn't it like 15 penalties? Like, you know, if you're yeah. going to just win 20 to 19, I think Saban can take that if it's like, if that's the difference. Like, if truly Bama was one point better on that day right but there were 15 penalties like Saban's gonna light them up this week they're gonna I feel bad for anybody facing Bryce Young and I do in the 50 teamers so it's not gonna be great very uncharacteristically undisciplined last week yeah it was very interesting as well all right Ethan let's start with yours I'm interested because you got a lot of uh people around our area uh that I'm, I'm 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 keen on so I definitely uh Said something to Slack earlier where uh, I didn't want to say it out loud because it's, it's yucky for me, but Duke actually has some pretty decent offense going on recently. I've been paying attention. Uh, I've always been a Calhoun fan, but it finally seems they find a decent quarterback that can kind of get it to him. So very intrigued by the uh, the Duke pick. And of all, of course, I love my Keaton Mitchell there in DC. So tell me about your picks, man. Yeah, absolutely. So Riley Leonard has been a very pleasant surprise with that Duke offense. That Duke offense in general um, did not expect – to see them as efficient and as productive as they've been early on this season. Um, you know, getting, uh, believe, um, the coach, coach Elks, is that his name? I, I forget. I know it's a new, new coach over there in, uh, uh, for Duke. So 
uh, defensive minded and definitely thought we were going to get a, a pretty run heavy approach, but they've just really surprised uh, out the gate. Um, we've got a nice cushy matchup here for Duke uh, with North Carolina uh, A&T, I believe. Um, they are uh, FCS, obviously. So um, I'm expecting Riley Leonard to show his athleticism. Uh, he's been able to uh, pick up some uh, nice uh, added production with his legs um, with 20 and a half points or 20, 20 and a half rushing yards. I think that's easily doable against an inferior opponent. Um, and I think that he's going to get an opportunity to really uh, just blossom with that offense this, this week. Uh, we've got Keaton Mitchell against Campbell. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, definitely a guy who is um, explosive and is a guy who really is kind of matchup uh, driven. Uh, we need to see matchups for him uh, against defenses that allow the explosive plays and allow the, uh, the big play. So um, targeting him against, a, a, again, a, a defense that's not going to be as athletic as, as he um, I think makes great sense uh, with 91 and a half yards. You know, Keaton Mitchell can get that on two carries any given uh, week with the speed that he's got. Um, so we're uh, we're going to bet on that uh, moving forward this weekend. Uh, we've got Clay Millen um, again, kind of the uh, the opposite of that Duke offense. This Colorado State offense has sputtered and just not really looked great um, early on this season. Um, we may have jumped the gun a little bit with Norvell and his. Uh, uh, his staff being able to make great change uh, after um, the Adazio era in uh, in Colorado State here. So uh, Clay Millen with 12 and a half fantasy points. Uh, I like the over here uh, against Washington State. I know Washington State was pretty stingy against Wisconsin this past weekend. Uh, however, um, Clay Millen in garbage time, uh, connecting with Tory Horton, uh, it's a combination that I like in 12 and a half points. Even if he throws a few interceptions, I think the game script is going to mandate them throwing the ball. Um, and so if he's able to get a few touchdowns uh, maybe late in the game, I think that's where we see our, uh, our over hit. And then that last one here in the power floor, I've got Trey Palmer over four and a half uh, receptions uh, for the, the game. Um, we've got them going up against Oklahoma. Again, a pretty tough matchup. Um, but we are out of the Scott Frost era. And when I, when I look at teams playing with interim head coaches, they tend to feed the most talented player on the field. Um, I think Trey Palmer is that for uh, Nebraska. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunity. Um, it is going to be a negative game, a negative pass uh, or a negative game script. So they are going to have to pass quite a bit. Uh, but I think that's just going to uh, fuel the fire for him. And I, I see him going over that four and a half number. I, I extremely like the Clay Millen play. Uh, I've been doing some things where you, you, know, you just project and stuff like that. Clay Millen's actually getting a really good, decent amount of run game, whether he's running for his life or not. I mean, that's the case. But the dude is actually getting some ground uh, to go along with the passing to Horton. So I definitely like that 12.5. That's a sweet one. And I definitely agree with Trey Palmer. I mean, I think it's time now that maybe Nebraska can finally unlock without Frost kind of getting in the way. And we finally see what the true potential of Trey Palmer is now that he's transferred and he's got a good spot with Casey Thompson as well. Um, let's move over to Mox. Uh, definitely on brand with the uh, the Brad Roberts and the Daniel Dell. Uh, but you got, you know, a little homer going in there as well. But I like that prop because uh, minus 8.5, I think he can get over that just by just running alone. So tell me about your props and why you chose them there, Mox. Yeah, so I love the Hartman over that. Chris K had earlier. 
was excellent. I, he put it in before I did, so I was like, "Crap! Like I can't, I can't duplicate the Hartman one." Um, I like that number a lot, and I love the Riley Leonard number as well. Two numbers that I, I am both tailing. I think they are very, very um, interesting and probably too low for mine. Rattler has less than eight and a half rushing yards. So in his first two games against Georgia State and Arkansas, he had negative 12 and negative 23. He's he's mobile, but he's not like a great rusher. The South Carolina offensive line is awful. They returned all five starters, and all five starters weren't very good last year. And somehow this group with continuity got worse. How? I don't know. I've watched it for two weeks, and I have seen it play out, though. They're going to get destroyed in the trenches against Georgia. I don't trust this group. I think Rattler is going to be under pressure all night. I think we're seriously – he could have, like, negative 30 rushing yards. Like, this might be just be a, a bloodbath for Spencer Rattler. Very concerned. Eight and a half, I think, is a little too low. Like, I – I play this number up to like 10 and a half, to be totally honest. I'm very concerned as a Gamecock fan. Second number I like, Brad Roberts over 17 and a half fantasy points. And what I like about this number versus his rushing total, which I believe is like 111 or, or 110 and a half, it gives me flexibility with the touchdowns. And so he might have two touchdowns, but go over or under 100 yards. I think that's a very real possibility given that they're, they're uh, I believe, 16 and a half point favorites this week against Wyoming. So the touchdowns I think can save you in the realm where he doesn't do that. I think he gets one. I think there's a good chance he goes over the rushing prop too. So I like getting him at 17 and a half. I actually think that's a pretty big discount. If we think that he could punch in a couple touchdowns and he's basically a fullback, right? Like he's a big dude. They want to use him in the red zone. They want to use him in the goal line. He is their goal line back. He's their anytime back really. But with that triples, option offense. I like that opportunity to get that 17 and a half and then give me Nathaniel Dell Houston wide receiver going over 18 and a half. He has hit this in seven of his last nine games going back to last season. We just saw JT Daniels who, you know, he seems healthy for the time being, but he just threw for a 365 and three against Kansas. Houston goes plays Kansas this week. Dell's coming off a 10 for 150 performance. This Kansas matchup does not scare me in the slightest. I am all over Dell this week. I think 18 and a half, again, like this Roberts line, gives a little flexibility on the touchdowns, which is why I honestly like to play the fantasy points lines because it gives you multiple ways to get there versus a singular reception or a or re- receiving total or passing total. So uh, fantasy points for my, uh, my G5 boys, and I think Rattler is going to get freaking destroyed this week <laughs> you know uh i don't know if you watched but dell had a punt return for touchdown taken back against uh texas tech too there there we go there's a lot of ways there's a lot of ways that i think dell can hit this number that's Maybe. the second punt return that was called back in two weeks too yeah, yeah. So, i mean he, he's bound then, to to get that yeah. and i think kansas has a pretty poor uh last year they did i haven't checked this year but they have a pretty poor special teams um as well their field position against this year's 23rd but last year it was 118th so they, they it might be really bad again we just haven't seen it yet 
Yeah. Well, they're, they, you know, last year they never got first downs, so they were always punting from their own 20s. So that probably hurt them. But uh, I think that you did, you say it right, right? Like these are the perfect opportunities to do fantasy score rather than yardage. You know, Brad Roberts could certainly go over 110 or whatever, but, you know, it's way more likely he's going to score two, you know, two touchdowns and get you 70 rushing yards and you'd still be fine. And then Dell, of course, as well. A uh, little trivia for you here. Max, do you know who is last place in sacks this year as a team defense? Is it so? Is it going to be UGA? It's Georgia. They have one okay. sack. They only had one against uh, Samford. Because they're all scoring everybody. They don't need a sack anyone right now. It's ridiculous. God. I am. I am so terrified. I, I've seen the South Carolina pl- line play for two weeks. Whew. They might be worse than Stanford. I, is that's that's the concern that I that I have with <laughs> with him. I didn't know that though. That's pretty interesting. I, yeah. I I wonder too. I heard I, I heard this on one of the C two C podcasts. Something about the connection that Kirby Smart has with the Sanford head coach, and how there might have been a little bit of gamesmanship and not uh, running up the score, or uh, maybe sending some exotic uh, pass rush last week. I don't know about that. Uh, but I heard there might have been some courtesy involved in that as well. I'd, I'd believe it. Oh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew that ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. I, would yeah. Taken, <laughs> I would have taken their under a lot earlier in the week than at like eleven fifty on Saturday. Like rise, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And uh, Moxley, I like the Nathaniel Dell uh, pick. I've I've been really heavy on that Houston offense and DFS for both of the last two weeks. They've been just a little bit disappointing. That offensive line it worries me a little bit because they just have not been able to give tune any sort of protection. Um, I'm really hoping this is a get right spot for them coming off a disappointing loss um, for, for all of our fantasy sake. But I mean, Nathaniel Dell, it's so difficult to not just really smash him into DFS lineups this week continues that, that streak for me. So. Oh yeah. I, the narrative's I pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, I don't love the Kansas uh, front seven either i don't think there's an impact player i mean i don't know it depends how you find define impacts lonnie phillips is pretty good but i don't think there's an impact player on that front seven that's going to cause houston a lot of problems and i think that their trench plays better than maybe we saw last week just as a unit but we will we will see not to not to dive into the weeds of offensive line and defensive line play i know that's that's not what we're trying okay. to do here. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. We need some of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and I, I like the narrative. I just think uh, – I don't think Kansas is, should be scared of Houston either. I mean, I think we have a narrative of a, a possible shootout, and we'll kind of get into that as we move along, as we get into Bank on them, which, of course, is presented by Giraffe Kings. So we did, uh, you know, our lineups for the week as well. And I've noticed a lot of similarities, a lot more than usual than we usually have. I know sometimes we have like uh, like one or two, but I'm really into this. Uh, and I'll talk to you first, Kay. Uh, Judkins, man, I think he's a super sneaky pick, man. I love everything about it. He's doing and producing. It's a great pivot away from Zach Evans. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to still figure out the Mississippi passing game, so why not focus on the run game that's actually having some pretty decent success? Uh, for me, I paired him with the other uh, freshman. You know me, I love freshman. That's my, you know, the name to fame, right? But Jay Nye out of California, he's going up against a Notre Dame team that isn't as scary anymore all of a sudden. 
you can run on them. You saw what Marshall did to them. So I like the pairing. What do you think? Uh, what was it about Jenkins? Was it the price or just uh, because he's doing so well, even behind Evans, Chris? Well, I think I think Ole Miss's offense is just going to get better as they figure out the quarterback play, and they'll always have the running back, you know, the running game to to rely on. Um, just a great matchup. He's been very productive. This isn't. This is going to be more of like a one A one B than it is like a him as a backup. Um, I'm projecting something like you know forty something percent for Evans, and then. Uh, Judkins like 30% rushing usage and in a game like this that's a it's a really productive line and at that low of a cost um so yeah I mean I think it was Nate that was pretty early on in him in the offseason that was talking about him and I got him in the 50 teamer and he's proven to be very good and uh he's done it you know two weeks straight to start so yeah Mox wasn't it Matt that was big on Judkins coming in as a prospect yeah he wrote him up for our uh Cam's can freshman supplemental guide and he was one of the few who kind of believed in his size speed combination um i was also skeptical so i i won't pretend like i was one of the first dudes on this but uh but yeah matt liked him as well and um nate was obviously i think a big fan early so a couple folks were out ahead and they're obviously reaping the benefits of being early to it it's just it's a it's interesting just how uh, is, is Bentley hurt? Is he just not factoring in? Like I haven't been able to really check out Ole Miss. It just is he just falling off and Junkins just that much better? Or is Bentley hurt? Like what's what's the issue with Bentley? Have we heard anything? I think he's just getting outplayed. Yeah. I mean, the guy at SMU was very average in my opinion, and it was just pure volume, you know, and that's why he produced. And then sometimes he just fell on his face into nothing. Um, going to Ole Miss was about as bad of a decision as you get. I've talked about a million times. These guys literally make the worst decisions when it comes to transferring. It's like, pay me 20 bucks. I'll tell you where to go. And it'll be better than going to Ole Miss. You know, like, like, what are you doing, man? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, Judkins is obviously a very good young running back, all things considered. So, I mean, technically, theoretically, Bentley could be pretty good too, but he's just getting outplayed. Yep. Uh, I also noticed that we were big on both Mo Ibrahim. Uh, for me, it's just chalk play. I want the consistent Mo is just destroying anyone in his path. The comeback game is real. Colorado is not scary whatsoever. Um, and Mo's going to smash and get his 20 fantasy points plus easy in the first, like, half. And then when C.J. Potts do his thing, uh, I think it's a great pairing. Uh, and then when this is all said and done, you know, the other, the real Zach Evans will take his place as, you know, the next guy up here in the next few seasons. Uh, but it's the same thing with you. Just good chalk play. Just going to be good, consistent points worth the price of the mission. I don't know how chalky he'll be. It'll be interesting because <laughs> if Chuck Sizzle was still super cheap, I could see yeah. Ibrahim being super, you know, super high owned. But uh, I don't know. I mean, in terms of a play, he's amazing. I wrote him up for the article for the main slate and, it's something like eight games in his last 10. And I know he missed all of last year, basically of like 25 plus fantasy points. And then six out of those 10 or 30 plus. And then he's got games of like 46 and 52 against like Michigan and Wisconsin or something like the guy's just been crazy productive, even coming like that was the big concern was the injury and nothing has happened. My only, my only worry would be they run it really well. Would they, just take it easy on them. Who did like, who do they play next week? You know, like what are they 
prepping for because they have a bunch of backs that are good. So I don't know. I mean, they haven't really done it yet, but that would be my concern at 9,400 is they kind of pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, well, you'll yeah. get your 100 and a touchdown, which is not going to be enough at that price. Can I ask Can I ask I, a question here? Yeah. I know I don't have a – y'all are going to see that are watching the video that I get relentlessly mocked and memed as a guest on the show. Um, does that not put Treshawn Pawson – in, in range for you i mean i don't know what his ownership looks like and i haven't even glanced at those projections but i mean they're they're what 20 or they're like 18 point favorites i don't know what it's moved up to currently but 27 and a half wow okay. 27 and a half i mean yeah. you got to think pots is getting 15 20 touches and he's been really efficient so far so that I was mean, gonna be that was yeah that was gonna be my next uh kind of topic here is that Mo's getting really expensive there and into the uneasy uh, territory in, in pricing, uh, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean, it's a smash spot for sure, playing Colorado. Um, you know, uh, to Chris's point, their, uh, their next, uh, next week game is at Michigan State. So, you know, they do, have, they do start Big Ten play and have uh, a, a sneaky look-ahead spot here. Whenever we get up to 9,400 and we see a running back that is even remotely splitting carries with another running back, it, it seems like an easy fade. Um, I, it's not going to be a full fade. I think that's a, 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 a not a, a smart choice to do a full fade of anybody in that kind of a position, but I'm, I'm going to be underweight on him uh, compared to the field. Uh, it seems that, you know, when I look back and I do kind of the, the lineup review uh, over there on Fantasy Cruncher and I look at the lineups that are consistently winning those big tournaments, there very rarely is it two really high-priced running backs uh, anchoring a lineup. Um, because with the running back position, just the way that it hits with touchdown variants and things like that, usually there's going to be a mid-range guy on the slate that's going to open things up and really – um, propel lineups forward that are focusing and, and putting the, that money elsewhere. Um, that's not to say that no big running back ever hits, but you know, at, at 9,400, we're looking for what 36 points that we want to see out of him. Um, and splitting with pots, you know, that worries me about what his touchdown uh, equity is going to be this Saturday. Yeah, so totally reasonable, by the way. The crazy thing is, you know, when you split like he does, it's still Minnesota's offense. So, like, I have him projected for 38% of carries, and it's 19. Like, that's going to be – that feels even high. You know, that feels a tad high. But I can see your point. And I think the scary thing is you see stuff like this Dorian Thompson-Robinson stuff that came out today. It was like Chip Kelly just all of a sudden was like, I want to let the other guys play. Kind of like Penn State did, right, against Ohio. Um, and Charbonnet, I think – either didn't even play or got one snap or something. I know there was a discrepancy. I didn't watch that game, but like, it almost seems like these superstars against these lower level competition are playing like a quarter and then they're getting the, you know, they're pumping the brakes and pulling them back a little bit once they see they're up 20 zero or something. Right. So that I would be a concern with Michigan state being up next week. I think in terms of, uh, I think he's probably more of a cash game play because it just feels like an automatic lock for 25 plus, And I do think there's enough value, but I could see in tournaments why you would want to shy away for sure. Yeah. 
I, I did see when you put Charbonnet back in, are you banking on, you know, people kind of being hesitant because of the, the mishap last week? Are you banking because Charbonnet can easily do 36 fantasy points, and that's you know, well over the 6,300. That's, of course, its value and goal. So are you thinking yeah. of that mindset? I mean, the, he essentially is practiced, right? And at 6,300, right. this is one of those, like, if you – if you don't play him and everybody else does, I mean, it's just going to be a lot. That's a low price. That's going to be really hard to fade. A guy like Charbonnet, he could easily go for 35 points. Like, you know, it. The, he doesn't even need the volume. I think last year, right, he had like six touchdowns in three games on like 20 carries or something crazy. So in that Chip Kelly offense, anything can happen. They're going to put up a ton of points. And I think South Alabama is decent enough to keep that close. Right. Like the concern would be, well, you know, it's going to be a blowout or, you know, maybe they do it again. You know, maybe something's nagging and because of it. Right. Like Jalen Knight last week against uh, Southern Miss, like that was written on the wall to me. He was available. He missed the week before he got like five carries like that was just a no brainer because it was Southern Miss and they had no quarterback. I think they ended up starting a true freshman. Um, So Charbonnet, on the other hand, is going to face a real team with a real offense that could put up some points alongside him. And uh, because of it, I think as long as he continues to practice, there's no reason to be shy, to shy away from it. Yeah. I do see a tight end alert. That's uh, hiding in the wide receiver there. Mr. Michael Trigg, $3,400 is ridiculously low price, especially for the production that he's capable of. I know we have a situation at quarterback and I think they'll iron it out eventually whenever Lane decides to, maybe he'll read the book of Solomon. We'll never know. Um, but until then, uh, what do you like about Trigg? Uh, is it Georgia Tech? Is it just he's getting the, the opportunities? I mean, he was a touchdown machine in the spring game. That's like the whole thing coming into it. Now he leads the team in targets. He had seven the first week. He didn't do anything with him. I didn't see the game. But I imagine, based on the quarterback stat lines, uh, everybody was awful because of it, right? Like Jalen Robinson has looked pretty bleak, if anything, because of it, I think. And who knows what his real role is. But like Trigg has definitely been impacted it. Buy it with seven targets the first game, six last game. Uh, I mean, they're going to score, right? So who are they throwing to? You know, if they get close to the end zone, to me, it's they're going to run it in or they're going to throw it to Trigg. And at 3,400, you know, it's not going to take a, a ton, right? Like in, in the cash game, you don't need a whole lot. In tournaments, you probably are looking at like 15 points. But, you know, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown is basically there. That's not that unreasonable at all. And I, like I said earlier, I think the Mississippi offense gets better. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I always like Dart, but it seemed like Altmaier was pretty good for a little bit, and then he was – I think he got hurt, right, and then Dart came in and looked good. Who knows who it'll be, but in this situation, it doesn't matter. I think uh, Kiffin's a smart guy. He'll pick whoever he thinks is the best, and that'll be the benefit for Trigg. All right, as the guy who didn't submit any lineups and now gets a chance to critique everybody and ask questions, yes. uh, which the role that I'm relishing, are you more comfortable with Trigg in a – as a cash play than a GPP play. I mean, 3,400 and you're getting him off a two touchdown performance. Like he's got, he's got to have decent ownership, right? I would feel fine in both. I think at that price, it doesn't matter. You know, like I think in in either format, you know, if he was in the fours, I would probably make him just straight like tournament just because, you know, then the quarterback play comes into play. Now I'm looking at maybe needing 18, 19, 20 points. Um, But I mean, a, a fair question, because I think – I don't know if you guys talked about it last week, but there's a definitive difference between, like, cash games and tournament plays, right? Like, 
you want to play percentages to an extent and you want to play upside versus some fours. Um, so I think it's a, it's a fair question for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I've got Trig in mind, not to, not to spoil my, my lineup here. Uh, Trig, I mean, at 3.4, it's, it's easy, easy pickings on that one. Um, when it comes to cash play and tournaments, I mean, the way that I break it down is in a tournament, I'm just going to want more of him because I know he's going to be uh, highly owned. So when it comes down to it, you just want to be more, you want to try and leverage that, that ownership and just be even more on top of it. So if you're projecting 40% ownership for him on a, a week like this, you know, I, I think that's easy to uh, to kind of project and, and see 35, 40% ownership. Um even though it's a huge slate, 13 games, um, that just means I'm going to want to have at least 60%. If I'm if I'm rolling with Trig, I'm going to want to at least double the field on that. Yeah, that mindset comes into play, especially when we'll talk about, you know, our, our good friends of Western Kentucky, uh, you know, Reed, you're playing Coral, you're playing Davis. They keep disrespecting Davis with these prices, man, just because of what the kid's capable of. It's just blatant disrespect, but uh, – Hey, it's just more the reapings for us, but kind of the same narrative. We're kind of looking at, you know, WKU. We're looking at like a Mo Ibrahim or, you know, a Charbonnet to kind of keep us with this with the pack. But then we start to do the separation. So for me, I wanted to go a little bit more contrarian on this one and just bring it up and I'll let you critique. But the matchup between Kansas and, and Houston is favorable and it looks like it could possibly go into another shootout we see what happened with texas tech last week i know texas tech will be considered a little bit more offensively explosive but kansas has been proven uh it's mainly under the uh the legs of devin neal but at the same time he has been catching uh touchdowns as well and so i did pair daniels with skinner skinner being one of their top targets there at kansas to go along with it i just don't think a lot of people are going to be on it i think people are scared of kansas still unless it's devin neal so i wanted to be super concerned i know it might cost me and you know i have other lineups there's other ones we'll talk about where you can pair georgia who i don't think a lot of people are going to be on stetson they're still scared of them you know just like i had to really think about it before i was like you know what stetson has earned enough of me uh me understanding what he's been able to play the past two games to warrant him to be a over a 20 fantasy point production so it's like you know he's mr consistent so you can you can say the same thing about playing georgia offensive players now other than brock bowers or you know the proper tight ends or whatever but this is kind of how you kind of look at it. It's like, hey, let me do as much as I can to stay with the pack, and then let's separate it a little bit. So that's where I decided to go with Kansas. Uh, you know, Chris, you didn't get a chance to look at it. I think, uh, you know, uh, you're kind of putting in your stuff as well. What do you think about Kansas against Houston? Do you think it's too contrarian? Do you think it's right on money? Is it too uh, too off centric? Um, I just think they're a little bit more run focused, and Skinner's not expensive, so it's that's not going to be anything crazy. If you would have gone. Probably, I think probably Arnold's the most expensive receiver. Then that's a little bit, or Grimm maybe, then that's a little bit in- interesting. I would say if you think the game is going to be close and Kansas is going to, at least Kansas is going to score, then you should have, you should run it back with a Houston guy, which obviously would be Dell, which I think we all agree is a great option. So that would be kind of a critique there. I think Kansas is going to be decent enough. They're not going to be like the walkover type they've been. Leopold or Leopold has been awesome. I think he just runs programs right away and just creates winners with like that whole mindset, chemistry and and coaching style. I just think it'll be a little bit more run focused. Although I do think Daniels is in play is we would call it maybe naked Daniels uh, where you don't stack them, I think is a viable option as well. 
Yeah, I did yeah. think about swapping out Skinner for a guy like Dale or, you know, moving Ibrahim down, taking a guy like Charbonnet for cheaper, you know, things like that. There's some plays here that you can move around with. I mm-hmm. love I love Jalen Daniels this week, by the way. I think he, I think you're absolutely right about ownership. I think the people are still a little like hesitant to play the Kansas offense. And that Houston secondary is not the strength of that team. Like they're gonna struggle on the ground this week. Um, like I think they're going to, to win this game, they're going to have to throw. And so like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, and I am fine going Daniel's naked. Actually, that's a really good point that Chris brought up because he has the rushing ability mm-hmm. and that target, like there's no consistent target share across the board there. So like Grim is, I, I haven't seen this late yet. I think Grim is probably the most expensive or at least he should be. But I mean, I think you can get away with Daniel's naked too. I think that's pretty interesting outcome it's not just because of the rushing it's more so the target share but i think if you 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 think kansas keeps this close it's because of the passing so i i like i like Jalen daniels this week and i don't know what his projected ownership is or anything but i i give that an a plus his ownership is going to be sub four percent i think with trader at 64 and him at 65 it's going to be it's going to be huge leverage there um, fully agree uh, on the run back call. I think you need to run back any Kansas uh, offense with either Nathaniel Bell or Matt Golden. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we saw Donovan Smith have some success uh, scrambling last week. Um, anytime with the super flex and the way that DraftKings um, prices quarterbacks, there is such valuable upside to cheap mobile quarterbacks and just running them naked, not stacking them with anybody. Um, Yeah. I I think that's one of the prime ways to uh, attack a a DraftKings slate is with a naked mobile quarterback. What do you regarding Jalen Daniels, maybe Moxley, this is for you. He going into the season, he was really like a two yard per carry guy and he's really done pretty well and he's running at like a pretty high rate is he more than that is he is he would you put him in the three to four yards per carry category because that like regarding his usage that's an extra couple of fantasy points if that's if you see that uptick i do they return uh i believe five offensive linemen or at least four and so i think that unit is a whole is going to be better he's going to take less sacks and so, like, yardage obviously matters for um, the majority of platforms we play on, regardless of, like, what you're what you're doing. I, he's a good rusher, in my opinion. Like, he is not a non-zero. Like, he is not a guy who, like, scramble. Like, I think he's a legit rusher. He's obviously not Jason Bean, who's the backup. But I like Jalen Daniels. Like, I, I think he can do some damage with his legs. I don't know if this is – the question is, I don't know, is this the week – he can do it with because I again I think this defensive line is like a high-end power five level defensive line. Like this is not a joke. It's just can he get outside of the pocket and avoid the um like legitimately very athletic, very good defensive ends. I don't know. I do think Jalen Daniels is a legit rusher though. Like I don't want to dis I think he's like a 40 to 50 yards without sack yardage guy. I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and Neil are a dangerous duo, especially in run capacity. When you have a T 
team like Houston. Uh, I meant Neil's going to be – he was pretty high expensive from what I saw, and I figured that a lot of people are going to probably be on Neil just because of the matchup as well. CFF-wise, I was super happy to just take Devin Neal and put him into the starting position. CFF-wise, he's going to smash. So definitely super excited about Neil this week as well. Um, uh, Ethan, I want to ask you because you're the stacking guy. Um, how often do you see it to where you uh, do a stack where it's like uh, one quarterback from one and then like a wide receiver the other? Do you think that's pretty common? Is it uncommon because oh, yeah. of the slate this week? Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really common way to attack. Um, I think the differentiation, if you've played NFL DFS versus college DFS, you have more opportunity to do double stacks and game stacks in college just with the higher scoring nature. Um, so in, in the college DFS, I mean, it's, it's even more, um, valuable and we see that all the time with, uh, lineup distribution. Um, I mean, it simplifies your lineup building process when you go, um, you know, I'm, I need at least three players in games that are expected to go over 60. Um, and when you're using optimizers too, I mean, uh, fantasy cruncher that optimizer you're able to really get dial into the nitty-gritty and say i want to be able to make sure all 150 of my lineups are going to have at least um if a quarterback plays they have at least one receiving option coming back to them um or one opposing receiver coming back to them so it makes it real easy especially in those multi-entries you're going to see very high stacking percentage yeah, if if you think about it, right, like to be to get first in a entry of ten thousand people where people have up to one hundred fifty, and this might make this explicit, Brandon. I apologize. You have to hit the nuts, right? So, oh, that's not that's not like law. Well, you're good. That's not good. Okay, we're good. So you, I'll say it again. No, I'm just kidding. So, and how do you do that? Well, you predict the game script to be like like Ethan's saying, this high-scoring game that stays close, right? Like, if you think Skinner and Daniels are going to be great options, Kansas scores, then, like, how do they continue to have a 40-point game? It's because Houston performs, and then you just pick your favorite Houston option. I don't think you have to force it. I think last week, Saturday, I got a little cute, and I did that with, like, the Wake Forest game and the Texas Tech game, and I think I even did, like, maybe Texas and one other one. And it kind of bit me a little bit. I think like you can just kind of naturally let it play out, but I think it's a very uh, valid way to do it. Cause if you're trying to win against 10,000 people or 10,000 entries, I should say, like you have to have the perfect lineup, right? You have to have it where one guy pushes the other. And then, you know, that's how those huge 40 to 50 point performances come. Yeah. And just, I mean, it's a big slate. We've got 13 games this week as opposed to 14 games on the slate uh, last week. But still, I mean, there's enough production across the games that the optimal lineup doesn't necessarily have all of that. But when you're talking percentages, you're talking correlated plays, you're talking about eliminating as many variables as you can to put yourself in a good position. Uh, I mean, if you don't stack, you're asking for too many things to have to go right to win. I think you have That's to stack. I think yes. you have to stack. stack the the run back right. is where the is where the the murkiness comes, and then I think it's just personal preference at that point. Yeah, I just didn't see as much run back. I mean, me personally, I don't do it, so that's why you know I'm just curious. I want to do it, and then the listeners get to to hear the the different options. Well, uh, before we move on to the next slide. 
Uh, Kay, I know you have Strader on there. Do you have any thoughts on him against Purdue and why you decided to go with him on this run? I mean, total caveman, but he, he's good at football. Like, he's good at college football. He'll never play in the NFL, maybe CFL. That's questionable, it's a bit of, man. That's but questionable. Not, as a, not as a quarterback, <laughs> at least. Uh, but he runs a bunch. He scores on the ground. And he's throwing better than ever. You know, what's funny is he was in that Mike Leach offense for about 10 minutes and was like, I'm out of here. And now he's got like another coach that wants to kind of chuck it a little bit. And he's been good. He's played real teams, you know, like UConn is not a walkover. And I think they also played Louisville, right? Like those are real teams that you can't just get away with throwing for 250. Um, So it's nice to see some of that production there. Cause if he's only rushing 13 for 25 yards, you know, he doesn't have to be perfect on the ground in that scenario. So, I mean, at that price, like, it's a no-brainer to me. What will be getting really tricky is, you know, Sean Tucker is an awesome play as well. Same reasons, just a lot of rushing, a lot of touchdowns. It's incredible. Almost as incredible as his Twitter account, by the way. But, you know, what will be interesting is do you use – I don't think you could use both of them together, but I wonder if people do get a little tricky and use that as kind of like the run back, you know, like Schrader and Tucker and then go – O'Connell with Chuck Sizzle. You know, that could be a unique combination of, of players there. Especially if they get out to a hot start. I know they got that home cooking in the Orange Dome. So I could see that being a, uh, a nice stack, running, running it back with uh, Tucker as opposed to Schrader. And they're just super concentrated too, right? Like who else on Syracuse does anything? And Tucker's catching passes. He's got 10 catches. So maybe I just talked myself into it. I don't know. You talked me into it. Did you, say con- did you say concentrated because of the orange men? Just asking. I wish I, 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 <laughs> Sorry, dad jokes. I wish I was good like that, but I did not do that. I was wondering if you did it on purpose. I was like, that's pretty funny if you did. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Ethan's uh, lineup. Don't pay attention to the crying Cam Jordan over there on the right-hand side. Um, before we go, let's talk about Chuck Sizzle and how it seems like him and maybe a couple others literally for the first time in like a while actually took down DraftKings for like a slight minute so they can readjust his price. I don't think they really realized that uh, Chuck Sizzle was in his actual name. And so they couldn't find him when they did his pricing. And then they all of a sudden hopped back up. I was like, Oh man, Chuck Sizzle is super cheap. Like last week, let me go. Oh, he's 8,000 now. Oops. My bad. Uh, Chris, that's a, that's a rare thing, man. Isn't it? I haven't seen it often last year there was enough people that created outrage over them, including some like Clemson Waffer game and in, in the main slate in like week seven or something where they took it down, but I haven't seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it for a player. And it, you can't say it wasn't because of Chuck Sizzle. Cause he went from like 3,800 to 8,000. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy was literally going to be 85% owned. Yeah. It's a free play almost. It was ridiculous. Yeah, so I'm glad they did. I don't have any issue with it. I commend them for it. You know, they make mistakes all the time, but like they don't always rectify it. So I'm glad that they did this. Yeah. Time. So Ethan, talk to me about Bo Nix. I'm very interested, especially against a tougher BYU opponent. Uh, why'd you decide with the Knicks this week? Yeah. So I was, I was the last one getting my DraftKings lineup posted here in our, uh, our show sheet. So I wanted to go a little bit contrarian. I didn't want to just jam in, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Schrader in there um, and see, see what we were doing. So uh, this one definitely is a little bit more contrarian than uh, than what you guys had, had thrown in there. I like Bo Nix. Um, you know, early in the year, we see teams um, that face tougher opponents early on. 
they seem to figure things out quicker, even in a performance like they had against Georgia, you know, they're never going to see that tough of a defense for the rest of the year. They got that out of the way. Um, And with the new coaching staff and getting to figure out, you know, what their identity is, I think that we were able to see um, at least last week, Bo Nix up against Eastern Washington, you know, three for five touchdowns. They figured out, you know, what they want to, what they want to do and how they want to let Bo Nix run. Um, you'll notice that this is, you know, standalone Bo Nix. This is naked Nix here. We are uh, not really loving the BYU wide receiver situation for a run back um, with, I don't know if uh, Nakua and uh, Romney are, are uh, healthy again. I haven't heard an update there. Um, but with the, uh, with the defenses, you know, it's a tough game, but like I said earlier, the, the upside is just incredible with a cheap guy uh, at quarterback. So 5.5K uh, coming into this weekend. That means I'm really, you know, 20 points is a, a nice hit for Bo Nix. So um, they've got a 30, 30.25 is their implied team total. You're hoping that Nix runs for one, throws for two, and hits value. Um it opens things up a little bit further down the, the, the lineup here. Um, I didn't go with Quinshawn Judkins either. Uh, main reason for that is that I, I think when you're playing, and I mean, it's totally valid with the pricing this week, but whenever you're playing two, uh, two guys at the same position or two guys at, at different positions uh, with Trig and Judkins, you're capping the upside somewhere. Um, that's not to say that they both can't hit value. Like I said, they're so cheap that it almost is a given that they're going to hit some type of value. Um, but I had trade going in here. So I kind of went off the board with Ontario, Ontario Brown. Um, he's also in the, in a, uh, a, a committee backfield. Um, but he does seem to have the lead role there as to where, um, Judkins is the, the one a to Zach Evans uh, or the one B to Zach Evans one a. Um, so here, I mean, we're really just hoping that Brown gets the right side of touchdown variance being the, uh, the lead back there. Vandy isn't a defense that scares me. Um, I think that they can move the ball. However, I mean, Northern Illinois has been a little shaky, um, early on this year, but I, I think that they're really still going to ground and pound with Brown and Whaley. Um, so went with Brown there again, 5.5, not super expensive we're, we're kind of sticking with the mid-range guys here i do do like mo ibrahim i mean i told you the uh the con to uh to playing him uh you know the, the high risk there but in such a smash spot you know you're going to have to pay up somewhere um mo ibrahim it, it's not a it's not a bad play but you're gonna want to be on the lookout for that touchdown variance um and maybe limit your ownership if you're multi-entering uh, also went with a Western Kentucky stack, uh, did the double stack with Corley and Davis with Austin Reed. Um, you know, it's a scheme thing. I think Indiana has played better than we've expected them to early on in the season. Um, I honestly thought they were going to be basement of the big 10. They still might be, but they beat Illinois. Um, I, I always tend to lean more to scheme over anything else. And, you know, I'm still, feeling good about that Western Kentucky offense. I think Arbuckle is learning. I think they're figuring out how to get things together, coming off a bye week. You know, they're hopefully going to come in prepared and ready to take on a power five opponent. 
uh, pairing him with Corley and Davis. Uh, there's a little bit of hesitation. I know Jalen Hall got a little more run against Hawaii. Um, so he's getting more involved. Uh, I think that is why you see the depressed uh, pricing for Daywood Davis. Um, but Davis and Corley, I think, are very well insulated as far as targets. Um, I think they're going to be um, – I think Corley is the de facto number one receiver, uh, and I think Daywood Davis, he's going to flutter around 2A, 2B with, with Jalen Hall. Um, that's, that's my take on, on that uh, situation right now. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I do have Michael Trigg there for cheap, 3.4, uh, as my third wide receiver. Um, touchdown upside and target upside for that cheap is always something that I'm going to look towards. And then I have Kendall Milton against South Carolina uh, as my flex, uh, 5.1K. Uh, it's another situation of if you're going to play a running back in a committee, choose the cheaper guy who also is the lead uh, getting the most attempts in that backfield. So um, I went with Kendall Milton. I'm thinking, you know, anytime you get a chance to play a Georgia starting running back for that cheap, it's worth looking into. So I want to run it by you real quick. Um, so, I, you know, you're looking at Georgia too. I actually looked at Milton as well. Kenny Mack is not too much more, but he is the one. So what's your thoughts on maybe playing like a Stetson Kenny Mack stack? Cause there's some passing Kenny Mack being the receiving back. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, his receiving role is nice. Um, he's been very productive in that that role uh, so far this year. Um, I like it. I tend to think, though, game script-wise, I don't know how much passing they're going to have to do. Um, I think this is one of those games, I mean, you always see it, especially kind of as we start to get into conference play, uh, my mind immediately goes back to uh, like Javante Williams and uh, oh, who was his uh, his running back mate there at UNC? Michael Carter, yeah. Yeah, Michael Carter. Uh, seeing them put up those big days, uh, seeing um, I think Wake Forest a few years ago had uh, some running backs who demolished a slate because, you know, they just – we thought – that we knew that they were going to be in a high-scoring matchup. We thought the passing game was going to get the, the work. And they just smashed, and all of the touchdowns came on the ground, and they had two viable running backs. I think Georgia is definitely a team that we can see two viable running backs week in and week out. Um, I'm not too worried about Kendall Milton. Um, or I think that he's got an established role, and I think it's pretty well uh, insulated with game script. Um, but I, I don't hate going McIntosh there either. So uh, K or Mox, what, you know, sim- sim- similar situation to like Michigan, right? So one week we played Corum, we played Edwards together. That was pretty good. You know, I hit some money there that way. Do you think it's the same scenario going with Milton and Kenny Mack probably at the same time as far as your two running back selections? What's your thoughts there? I, d- I don't think I would, but uh, I just don't think I'll ever really go to running backs at the same time. Like Javante and Carter were insane, and I always got beat by them because – when you score as efficiently as they did in that offense, it's just my, our projection system, my projection system just is not meant for it. Right. Like we can't, I can't justify giving Javante Williams like an 18% touchdown rate. Like that's just not, I can't. And that's, he just literally continued to do it. Um, I wouldn't have an issue. I don't think like you stack Stetson and if you wanted to pair him with like a Macintosh, I could kind of see it. 
I'm very curious to see how Georgia plays, right? Like, are they just doing the whole passing thing because it's non-conference and they can? Like, do they change their offense when it comes to the conference? I think that would be really interesting to consider is do they become more run heavy? Because they certainly have not done it yet. And that feels more Georgia, right? Um, But to kind of talk stacking quarterbacks, I'm a naked bow guy this week for sure. Um, I think the things you think about when you consider stacking are yardage. And my general rule of thumb is like 260 yards. If he's going to throw for 260, then you probably have a guy that's going to be really good to use. Um, and I think I have Bo at like 230. Uh, does he have a viable like receiver one that gets like a pretty good target share? Not really. Like maybe. What is it? Troy Franklin? Maybe. Like we don't really know. This offense is very spread out. And then um, pricing, right? Like all these Oregon receivers are, you know, with Georgia, you could throw in like a McConkey or a, a Mitchell or one of these guys, right? Because they're usually pretty cheap. Not anymore, yeah. but you know, last year Washington's three point nine. Yeah, in years past they were right. Like last year, I swear Mitchell was like three point eight every single week, and I kept getting a bunch of them. Right, that makes sense to say, hey, if I'm using Mitchell, then I want Stetson. I don't want to force all that Mitchell, but like you could do it theoretically that way. So I, for me, it's like I think I would reverse it. You know, hey, if I'm going to use Franklin or Hudson or one of these. Oregon receivers, then make sure Bo's in the lineup. At 5,500, that's just way too cheap. So he's actually the first quarterback I write about in my article that's coming out this week. So definitely on the same page there. And then I think that's probably our, our stuff there. So that's our bank on them segment. Uh, let's move on. And, of course, we brought Chris on because we wanted to give you guys the basics on betting lines. So basically in this segment – Moxie's going to break down some tips and tricks that he has for you, just some things that he's noticed in his time as far as, you know, the lines and different things like that. And the best ways to kind of keep stuff in mind as you're, you know, doing these lines, of course, can't, you know, uh, promote enough. Please go check out the NIL uh, chat. That's probably where it's at, uh, especially for last minute changes um, and then early lines as well. So I'm going to let Moxie take it away. Good, sir. It's all yours. Cool. Yeah. I, I can't emphasize enough either how valuable the NIL tier is for people looking to get in early. Um, there's a lot of line movement in, in the season. So, you know, the Sunday line is a lot different than the Saturday morning line. So that's a, a, a nice benefit of the discord and you get Ethan and Chris's awesome content, um, which I didn't have, listen, I didn't have a DraftKings lineup because their articles and the show isn't released yet. I had to, be on this show so i i unfortunately wasn't able to use their picks to construct a lineup but this is what i do from a betting perspective when i say a betting perspective i mean against the spread totals stuff like that couple key kind of understandings and pro betting and i the nfl is a lot different than college so here are a couple things that i like to do one this is true of anything regardless of where you go, what sport you do, etc. Shop around. Not all books post the same lines. You, if you feel confident in an over or an under or a, uh, a a pick against the spread, find the best value. There's no reason that you have to be picking DraftKings or, or FanDuel. You could go to Caesars. You can go to MGM. There are some smaller books out there as well where you could find a lot of value. Don't feel like you have to always stay committed to one book, especially 
if you're getting a point or a point and a half elsewhere, that revolves around a key number. And I'll even give you an example this week. North Carolina State at Texas Tech is available at nine and a half and ten and a half on different books. I have Texas Tech plus ten and a half, but I would not play I would not play them nine and a half because ten is a key number, which I'll talk about in a second. But shop around, seriously. Second, closing line value matters. How much the line that you got defers from what it closed at before kickoff. So you may get a line at minus two, and it might close at four and a half. You get two and a half points of closing line value, and in the grand scheme of things, especially if it passes a key number, incredibly important. The closing line, in my opinion, and I, I think this is fairly accurate, is the most specific and accurate description uh, and expectation of the day's events. So beating that number, the number that it closes at, should increase your winning percentage over time, even if each time it doesn't matter. So long-term, if you consistently beat closing line value or the closing line and you're getting positive closing line value, that should help, even if it doesn't matter on a week-to-week basis, right? I think last week we bet USC minus eight and they smashed that cover out the window. But if they had if they had one by seven versus nine, we would have a little bit different conversation because that number closed a lot differently than it opened. Third, Sunday and Monday are prime betting opportunities for college. That isn't necessarily true in the pros. Lines generally re- release between like 1 and, and 3.30, 4 o'clock on Sundays. That's your first chance to bet that number. No money is coming yet. That is the number that the sportsbook pushes out and says, this is what we think it's going to be. A lot of times, sportsbooks are wrong. And the reason that they are wrong is because there's not as much money coming into the college game. They have less incentive to get some of these lower end lines right. So they might get a UGA line right. They might get an Alabama line right. But they they might mess up on a UAB Georgia Southern line. They might mess up on a Northern Illinois Vanderbilt line. There's a lot less incentive when not as much money is going to come into that game. So that opportunity is our first chance to really look at what we think that line's going to be, and test it against our numbers. And that's where I am in the Discord, again, every Sunday afternoon, talking about those lines, talking about why I think, um, where try to figure out where Vegas messed up. And they do mess up. It's really hard to handicap 70-plus games each week. A lot harder than you think it is, especially when the money isn't there to get it right. They don't have as many college handicappers as they have NFL handicappers. That just benefits us. Uh, fourth. Feel free to get weird. And this is my favorite piece of advice because I like betting first quarter. I like betting first half. I like betting team totals. I like getting weird with these numbers. That is where the value lies. The spread isn't, is like always the the safe play, but right? Like bet a first quarter. We bet Alabama nine minus nine and a half against Utah State. They're going to score more than 10 points and limit Utah State. Like these are the opportunities to take advantage of weird lines like don't be afraid to bet these these bizarro weird totals and 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 quarter spreads like the first a force first quarter spread in the nfl is a joke like you would never bet that but in college when you have a high spread you have a team that's much better than another you might get a little value on that line and i I, we've seen that throughout the season we're probably going to keep seeing it i love team totals as well i and the one that i want to point out Iowa came out today 
30 and a half points. That is their team. That is their team total. You're telling me the Iowa Hawkeyes are expected to score 30 points. I know it's Nevada. I know how bad Nevada is. 30 and a half points. Just let that marinate for y'all. It's available on DraftKings and a couple other books. All right. Last two. I've talked about key numbers. Understand what they are. Understand that three, seven, and multiples of those numbers, generally speaking, are key numbers. Three, seven, 10, 14, 17, 21. Being on the right side of those numbers increases your chance of winning because a 20 and a half spread is a lot more valuable than a 21 point spread because there's a much higher likelihood of a 21 point spread occurring and you losing that number than the 20 and a half, the 20 and a half number being on the right side, six and a half, two and a half. Those are huge, huge advantages versus a three and a half versus a seven and a half. There's a likely outcome based on key numbers that games end within an expectation. And it's true for totals too. The most popular game total in college, college football is 55 being at 54 and a half or being at 55 and a half. That matters a lot. And so making sure that you're on the right side of key numbers and not just blindly betting a seven and a half because you think this team is much better when the value just might not be there is one of the prime opportunities and one of the mistakes that I think a lot of people make. Lastly, and I'm not, I don't want to go on forever, but this is my final piece of advice. Target what's unsexy. I play way more G5 than I do Power 5. And yeah, like Power 5 is on the TV, and that's what people want to hear. Blah, 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 blah. Less money's coming in on these. I just I just talked about it earlier. If less money's coming in, there's a lot less incentive to handicap these games 100% correctly. That gives you an opportunity to take advantage of it. Because unless, unless you're listening to this and you're a million dollar, $500,000 better, you're probably doing pretty well if you're betting on Northern Illinois each week if we think that we're getting value on them versus someone who's betting on Alabama or Texas each week. Don't be afraid to target unsexy matchups. Don't be afraid to get weird. Don't be afraid to do these funky things early in the week. Like, let's let let's, let's get freaky is all I'm going to say. Let's get freaky. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. But that is college football betting in a nutshell. We've gone to rated E now, right? Explicit. I was, was, was going to say, Chris, you have a limited amount of titles now that you can use now. So, <laughs> did I wait? How how bad was it? How bad was I? Get, oh no, no. You, that was perfect, man. <laughs> nah, I just love to see a freaky part. Let's get freaky. Let's increase. Let's get freaky. Control. Let's get freaky. I love it. Let's yeah. do it. I might have to change the title of the actual show to Let's Get Freaky now, just because. Will it fly? I don't know. Maybe Apple won't like it. Spotify would be. Either that or hit the nuts, man. Yeah. Hit the nuts. Ethan, what you got, man? I was just going to say, I thought that was a great, well, a lot of great points, obviously. The one that like stuck in my mind is the fact of like, you know, betting on a G5 game versus a Power 5 game, like a Bama game, right? Like they're all over that number. They have people that are betting on the game, which then moves the line. But if, who's betting the UTSA versus UTEP game, right? Like there's not enough money on the game to really sway it. It kind of reminds me, it makes me think of like prize picks where, you know, somebody spots a line, they tell 20 people and all of a sudden, I don't know what the number is. $5,000 goes down on Rattler under 23 and a half completions. 
And all of a sudden that number is now changing because of all the money on it. Right. So there's less money. On it. I think that's that specifically was one that really uh, popped in my, uh, is going to stick in my mind, Moxley. So I appreciate that. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I think too, uh, it, that same thing kind of registered in my mind too, the idea of those, uh, the value being in those, those uh, lesser seen games. Uh, because, I mean, if you think about it, just the same way that we talked earlier in the year about prize picks, having those offerings that aren't quite as sharp to kind of encourage those different, uh, encourage more money to come in on different lines. Uh, the same thing, I mean, you're, you're thinking about those guys who are stacking parlays. If you've got a, a, some value on a G5 game, I mean, it encourages them to take the risk, add a few more games on there same thing hits uh, hits them with the fact that now all of a sudden you've got multiple games. The odds are even more in favor of the books. Having some weaker lines definitely does encourage the uh, uh, the money to come in. And I'll add on to the your Moxley shopping around point. Some sites will have different juice. They'll have different levels of what it is, right? This, this is over is minus 110, but on another site, maybe it's minus 130. You know, like you know, that seems like it's nothing, but if you're betting enough that over time could be its own bet in itself, right? Like it repays itself back in the future. Absolutely. And not to get too, too in the weeds with this, but if there's different juice on different sites, it might create an interesting middle opportunity, depending on what you're getting each value at. So we won't, we won't dive in into that too deeply, but just, Shop around, and if you see some disparaging numbers and some interesting juice, hit me hit me up. I'll uh, I can I can help guide you a little bit there. But there's a way to middle some of these some of these plays without risking a whole bunch. And uh, Moxley, if you want to give just a few names, I know there's some websites that kind of give you a wide cast of the different bets depending on the game. Do you have a favorite website that you like to look up the different lines and anything like that? So my go-to is Vegas Insiders. Um, I think they list eight or nine lines each each week um they list the major books i mean they list DraftKings, caesars FanDuel, bet rivers which is under a couple different names depending where you're out at sugar house mgm i mean just that's my go-to and that's how what i used to compare lines so when i when i'm on live regardless of where i am i have that pulled up generally speaking and say okay i can get it at six and a half six and a half versus seven on x book Vegas Insiders. They also have. They also release their own lines. I believe they're only av- available in Vegas, though. Um, so, but they're they're a great resource. Free. Don't even need to sign up. Don't need to do anything. Um, if you're comparing books and you want to want to invest, just pull them up real quick. I guarantee what with whatever you're using, they got it listed. Yeah, I just want to bring that to attention for those that instead of going to each individual site and looking around, they have uh, you know like a third party that can kind of show you the difference in variance, and then you decide where you want to kind of hit that link and go to there as well. Um, so to, just to wrap it up on everything, of course, we want to thank Moxley for coming on to the show. Uh, you know, all that stuff is very valuable. Uh, also, you know, the whole thing about the numbers, the three and the sevens and stuff like that has really stuck with me. And that's something that I've uh, used here in the past few weeks. Uh, it's just something about, you know, you're looking at those football numbers, you're looking at a touchdown is seven, a field goal is three, you know, it just kind of, you just add the math and what the outcomes can be a safety is two. And then it gets a little weirder, but at the same time, like, you know, those numbers and those multipliers, you know, matter the most as well. Um, so to wrap up, I wanted to go into uh, just some, maybe a game that you're 
focusing on or just something that you had in mind? I know Ethan wanted to bring up, you know, just whether it's for CFF, for betting purposes, or maybe for a DK lineup or something like that. What's a game that you had, uh, you know, in mind that you're, like, looking forward to and anyone can kind of take on going first if you want to? That I'm looking forward to? Um, or just intrigued with? I'm not looking forward to seeing my Gamecocks play this weekend, if that's a uh, if that's an answer. But no, I'm actually really curious to see the Syracuse-Purdue game. Uh, that's one of the games that I, I think is going to be very telling for both teams. Because I think Syracuse's defense is a lot better than people think that defense is. They have some serious playmakers on the back end. And I don't think the front seven is all that bad either. I think they have two potential all-ACC corners. That team might be really good. And that team might beat Purdue straight up by more than a field goal this week. And I don't think people necessarily see that coming. So I'm really interested to see how that Syracuse defense plays. And obviously the offense is just like undergone a total, total overhaul with Robert and at, at the helm. I'm actually really interested in the Syracuse team. And I like, I mean, I like watch Purdue because they're going to throw a bunch of their Jeff Brom. So that's always, that's always fun, but that's a game that I'm probably most interested in seeing this weekend. I just think there's a lot of questions that are going to be answered by, by that. And I, we might see Syracuse go bowling this year, um, if I'm being honest. Like, I think they they might actually be a decent team that yeah. people the, might not be expecting. It's the ACC. It, there's just chaos That's true. everywhere. And That's they've true. already won, and they've won a game already in the ACC. Yeah, and so I would be surprised. Too, so, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I wanted to rant about Missouri real quick and just to get it out there. What are they doing with Luther Burden? The man is the best player they have on their team. They're looking at snap counts now, I've seen on there as well. I'm just furiated. The man, you take the man almost 101, 102 in your dynasty drafts. You're expecting the man to go off because he's supposed to be an instant play. He goes off. He becomes like, you know, Debo Samuel of the college realm for one game. And now all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, like last year or last week, he didn't get anything. Uh, and now he's got, you know, now they're looking at, oh, he was on the field too long. We're trying to get him the ball, but we're going to limit his counts. I'm just annoyed. And they play Abilene Christian, which is FCS. So, I'm confused. I was like, do you do you put out your best players or do you just are they gonna sit Pete now too and give him only like five or six, you know, kind of go from there? That's what I'm most interested in. I was like, what is Mizzou doing with their with their playmakers? Why Mookie Cooper over Luther Burden, who's far more superior in talent? It just it blows my mind. I just needed to vent real quick about Missouri football. <laughs> That's fair. I think this weekend, uh I'm I mean, I'm always looking forward to watching Western Kentucky. Uh, they've got a 61 and a half game total uh, against Indiana. Indiana's favored by six and a half. Um, I think this is, I know all leading up to week zero, we were saying, all right, we're going to get our first look at Western Kentucky. We're going to finally figure out who this team is. I don't think we really know any more than we did coming in uh, as far as that. Seeing them go up against a power five opponent, I know it's Indiana. This will show us if, if this offense is something that we can consistently rely upon, um, you know, that, that one in the, the Oregon BYU game as a uh, dark horse as well. Uh, I know it's a little bit lower of a game total, but I think we could, that's got sneaky shootout potential. Over there. I, I think brothers are, are, are fun ones. And you, I think we learn a lot about Western Kentucky, like you said, which is always great to see. I, uh, I think we're going to get two straight weekends of like an actual late night slate. That's not just random teams, which is awesome. This late night slate is going to be potentially awesome. And I think the one it leads with is USC Fresno state. I think that has, I mean, it does have shootout potential, right? It opened at, this goes to Moxley's point here early on. 
I saw it yesterday at 71 and a half points. It's already at like 73 and a half points, um, which I think crosses one of those probably uh, common number of thresholds for totals. But that offense, I mean, USC looks unreal good on offense. And Fresno State has a great offense too between Hayner, Mims, uh, Remigio, and Marino uh, Cropper that just wants to make our lives harder as content people. Um, so I, I think that'll be a great contest. And there was one other one. I mean, oh, yeah, obviously, I think uh, Texas Tech in NC State could be fun. Um, we could see some shakeup at Texas Tech if, if uh, Donovan Smith struggles. Do they panic and go with Morton? Do they just let it ride? Uh, you know, is Miles Price going to be consistent again? I mean, I have another great game. He sat out a half last week and was awesome. Does this Nehemiah Martinez guy that we were kind of talking about in Slack, does he have a good game? Does does price matter? I think there's some questions that will be answered in that one as well, which will be fun. Yeah, that's, that's a really good week. Um, definitely some cool matchups for sure. Definitely, definitely match. So once again, I want to thank Mr. Chris Moxley for joining us on the episode as well. Just a reminder, get freaky when it comes to your betting line, guys. Make sure you do that as well. It's, it's a go-to. And don't forget to hit the nuts when you're playing fantasy DFS. Yes. When you're doing DFS, kick them in the nuts. Uh, do what you got to do. Uh, get that money. Increase that bankroll. That's what we're here for. Uh, but we want to thank you for listening in, and we will see you next time. Peace.